Welcome to That's a Wrap, episode number 43, part two. Part two of episode 43, our discussion of the Cohen brothers. If you listened to episode one, uh, which was released last week, uh, you noticed that we had some uh, some problems with the audio and the episode had to be cut short. Uh, if you haven't listened to part one, you should probably just go ahead and do that before listening to this. In part one, we discussed Hail Caesar, the latest Coen Brothers project, as well as uh, launching into a discussion of the Coen Brothers in general. If you're interested in just the general stuff and not necessarily Hail Caesar, I suggest you go to part one of this episode, 43, and jump ahead to 51 minutes. It's at that mark, uh, the 51-minute mark, that we begin the, the general discussion of the Coen brothers. Uh, it lasts about 17 minutes, and what you're about to hear is the continuation of that discussion. So this will start in medias res. It's, uh, it's a good conversation. I, I, I'm really glad that we were able to uh, recover the audio for this because uh, we had a lot of fun recording it. I think we had some some pretty interesting points. Not to brag too much. And I believe that you'll find this interesting, especially if you liked uh, part one. As you can probably tell, this podcast takes uh, a lot of work and time for us, uh, but it is a labor of love. We do it because we love doing it. But if you appreciate it, head over to iTunes and leave us a review. That helps us uh, remain discoverable so that uh, people can find us. Thanks. And without further ado, here's the rest of our Cohen Brothers discussion. spot on it just it still can't change the fact that there's a there's like this it's like it's like we're you know one of us is in prison and the coen brothers keep coming to talk to me but that's through that plexiglass they just keep me distant you know and and i can't touch them or reach out to them i admire them for the most part there's a fucking couple movies like true grit but well, I still haven't seen all of it. But I, and I refuse to. Uh, that you know, I hold against them. But um, I'm not going to disagree. I just wanted to get you know. Now that you and I have said our piece, what's Eric got to say? Yeah, Eric, yeah. what's your take on this? Well, we can we can talk about True Grit later if you like. Because um, well, we can talk about it later. But um, yeah, no, I, I I think I agree because I I've been a defender of the Coens for a very long time. Um, as I said, I've seen all their films, and I you know I, I tend to see them when they come out. And I've been a big defender, you know, I think I, I like them, they're great, you know, but recently I've been thinking about them because I knew we were going to do this episode and I just watched Hail Caesar and I was thinking like, I really appreciate the Coens and I, and I 
appreciate them as filmmakers. But and here's the thing, and this goes to what Nick was saying a little bit. I very rarely rewatch their films. Hmm. And that to me was a thing, you know, because I, I'm not a big film rewatcher anyway. Right. But if I really I like that. something, I will. If I really like something, I will. I, I mean, I watched The Big Lebowski. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that film, but that's kind of an exception. But I've seen Fargo plenty of times. You know, I really liked um, uh, A Serious Man. I thought that was a very good film. Uh, I haven't seen it in years. You know what I mean? I don't just pop sure. it in, you know, because it's not enjoyable and it's not something I feel like I need to revisit necessarily. So that to me, it kind of opened my eyes a little bit because I started thinking, like, what, do, do I like them? Do I, you know? Um, and I think that you're right. Like, you think about their characters and you don't really like their characters. And, and I don't think they like their characters very much. I don't know if that's even what it's about. Right. It's not a know? prerequisite. Right. You end up with a lot of, um, a lot of quotes like you know you, you quote fargo you know uh people quote the the big lebowski or like the hudsucker pro- proxy you know mm-hmm. it, it's for kids you know and i do like that character the um uh who's the tall guy um tim robbins <laughs> tim robbins character in the hudsucker proxy yeah you know i like him because he's silly and kind of childlike but um <laughs> you, you know but um god eric i'm sorry to interject but i have to do this i don't mean to cut you off but you know how many films i own right I own exactly one Coen Brothers. No, I'm sorry. I own two Coen Brothers films, and that's Lebowski and and Fargo Fargo. because they're the only ones I tend to rewatch, just like you said. Yep. So, and there's something to that, right? There's something, there's, some, there's definitely something to that. So, so I've been kind of reevaluating my opinion of them a little bit lately. Um, and maybe I need to go back because, like you say, they're technically, technically proficient and, and interesting. Sure. Now, I think there's been a break. Because um, when I look at their films and, and going back to the categorizing thing, right? If you look at Blood Simple, Raising Arizona, maybe Miller's Crossing, Barton Fink, um, kind of maybe not Raising Arizona, but pretty serious films, somewhat dark with a little silliness, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, the, the and then the Hudsucker Proxy, which which I love, but me too. Um, totally silly. And then Fargo was kind of their breaking point, right? And what did they follow Fargo with? The Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, so so they kind of they change it up a lot, um, you know, and then Oh Brother Where Art Thou and The Man mm-hmm. Who Wasn't There, and then they got into the kind of the silly more comedy stuff. But if you look at their last several films, and this I think yeah. this is kind of interesting. Um, after Burn, After Reading, so you have a Serious Man in two thousand nine, True Grit yeah. two thousand ten, Inside Lewin Davis at two thousand thirteen, and then Hail Caesar. Um, those three: A Serious Man, True Grit, Inside Lewin Davis are. They they have a lot in common. They're both very deliberately paced, uh-huh. i.e., slow. Uh-huh. Um, they have um, kind of their their main characters are people that you're not that you you're not sure you like. Like inside Lewin Davis, you don't like him. I mean, their their idea with inside Lewin Davis was to give you an asshole as a main character. Uh-huh. You know. Um, with a serious man, I, I really like a serious man a lot. Uh, but you know, the main character is kind of a schlub. You know, he's kind of someone you're like, yeah, I'm not sure. You know, like I'm, I'm rooting for him, but uh, you know, only because he's had so much terrible shit happen to him, right? Um, <laughs> not sure about True Grit, you know, in that sense. But there's this kind of like deliberate, like kind of very slow pace to it. I wonder what they're going after because you're right; they're not going after the mainstream audiences. They're really not. Right, not um, at all. Not at not, all. I mean, they going, maybe they are going for the film, the, the film professors, as you say. But I know there, there are others. They're going for themselves. I so. yeah. yeah, I think they are going for themselves, and they've somehow figured out a way to 
get funding to get money to do what they want to do for themselves in a certain way, you know, because that's what Hail Caesar is, right? It's it's completely self-indulgent, but they found funding, they found someone to produce it, and they'll continue to find that, which is great for them. I mean, because a lot of Hail Caesar is about the idea of commerce and art, you know, the commerce and nowhere but in the in the movies do commerce and art collide so much right and and that's explicitly <laughs> yeah. what hail caesar is about with the communists right and you gotta imagine the coen brothers are feeling that too mm-hmm. you know do they feel like they have to have a commercially successful film every once in a while so they can make two or three like a serious man or instead of lewin davis you know that yeah. seems like where their writing credits come in they tend to write themselves out and um like with you know bridge of spies which they co-wrote with I don't remember the other writer's name, um, but I'll, I'll look it up. Uh, I'll look it up I don't have the stuff, and I, I don't have it in front of me. But I know that they've yeah. written and produced other works yeah. where they're not in auteur mode, essentially, and they are often really mainstream. If I'm yeah, not mistaken, that's where they're getting you know? the money. Um, yeah, so they're doing some commercially uh, kind of viable stuff in order to fund, you know, the other stuff that they're doing. But like you said, that you don't you don't feel like. Do you feel like it's a work of passion, or do you feel like it's something else? I don't. I, you know, no, that's the part I don't <laughs> Not quite understand. All. Maybe they're like the you know. Like, go, ahead, go go yeah. I don't. I, yeah, I just it's like you know. I'm not saying that this is has to be a requisite, you know, uh, but. I'm saying just for me, just for me, the most moving cinema, the, the films that touch us the most, you know, um, are built off of a love and a passion for the medium and for the history of the medium and for telling stories. And um, I think that the, the Coen brothers, uh, they're pretty lucky guys in that, like, they're competent and skilled writers and, and, and directors who get to indulge their what the types of things that they want to do, and whereas other up and comers who are maybe far more passionate about cinema than they are, or far more passionate about something, uh, would not have the luxury that they have every year, or every other year to to mount a project that is really um, so personal and so unique. And so, yeah, I'm never truly just not to beat a dead horseshoe, but I mean, they, they just never really, frankly, move me. And as Chris said, that's not maybe entirely the point. But on the spectatorial side, for me, it is the point. I don't want to just sit there and admire something. I want to be moved, you know, and not all films do that. Granted, I get it. But um, but, you know, in my world, the the best films do that. Yeah. I- Maybe Chris is right. You know, the uh, it's not the point. So, yeah, I was thinking it's not the point. Yeah, um, but at some point you can you can argue you can push back against that and say you know like it, that. Why is it that Shawshank Redemption is the number one film on IMDb all the time? Right? You know, because of its universal connectivity and its its sort of like spiritualness and the, the and, and so on and so forth. Well, and its ability to move people. Right, exactly. I'll put on and Shawshank so, any. I'll put on Shawshank any day of the week. And they're not cut from that cloth. Is that a problem? And, no. and to get back to Chris's point, they're not cut from that cloth. Is that a problem? No. On a personal level, if we're talking about their their canon of work, I got to weigh in with I admire them. I love a lot of their stuff, and you know, and that's the end of the yeah. story. <laughs> it just kind of ends there, you know. 
I mean, they make very good. I, to be honest with you, I, I, I agree. I, I've got several of their films on, on disc. I don't watch them on a, the only time I actually watch them on a regular basis is when I'm teaching because I use a lot of their films to teach with. They're yeah. I mean, they're, they're wonderful teaching films, very, very teachable films. Uh, even in you know advanced film courses, uh, they're 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 great for that. But I don't say, hey, you know, honey, let's 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 sit down and watch Blood Simple on a Friday night. I, no, I, I don't I don't do that. Yeah. I, I just right. I just I just don't do that. <laughs> Where right. you know, whereas I I would say, hey, let's watch The Shawshank right. Redemption. Uh, you know, uh, let's uh, should I? Why I think I, I think I would watch Saw over over many of the Coen Brothers films. That doesn't mean I like Saw better. I don't. Right. Yeah, it doesn't mean I like Saw better. But uh, you, they're not films that to me, uh, or or even any Wes Anderson film I I I would watch on on any night of the week. Uh, but they're not designed to me for me to. To, to, to be enjoyable. And I, 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 I would really be curious as to yeah. Joel and Ethan's care. opinion on this. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, they probably don't care. I, why, why would they care? But I, I, yeah. I, I guess if I ever met them, I would just ask them, I would ask them this. Or I wish some, some reporter at con would ask them, yeah. would ask them this. Cause I'd really be curious yeah. as to what they have to say. It's, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because it, it's, um, there, there are some, there are some directors where you feel like their work is work. Where like um, David Lynch is a good example. I really like David Lynch, but it's a lot of work watching Mulholland Drive or uh, you know some of his later stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, right not, yeah, a lot of work. You don't watch it. That's, that's you don't watch it because you're like, oh, this is gonna be a great you know like date movie or something. You know, I'm gonna enjoy this. It's, it's you watch it. You know, you watch it for different <laughs> reasons. You watch it for intellectual reasons. You watch it. You know, for um, and I don't get that with the Coen Brothers. You know, you, I don't think I don't feel like it's a work to watch a Coen Brothers film. Um, Right, but they, they occupy this weird gray area, and maybe that's and you know maybe I'm putting words in Nick's mouth, maybe, but maybe your um, objection, as weak as it's not a strong objection, I know, but your objection to the Coen Brothers might be the same one you have to Wes Anderson, right? Where there's where it's style over content, you know, it's form over content, where. It goes to the question of like, what's the role? What is the role of art in in the world? You know, and um, obviously, I can watch a Wes Anderson film or a Coen Brothers film, and and appreciate it as a, a self expression of themselves as well as an mm-hmm. aesthetic experience, right? But there's also the personal uh, relationship you have to art, and that's where my objections come in. And so, obviously, I realize that that's a very personal statement, but ultimately, art is a very fun. You know, the function of art is not only at the societal and political level and stuff like that, but it's also one's own personal relationship to art. This is where my critique for both of those guys typically falls. You guys follow me on that? You know, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you there. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely a subjective level, but there's also like, yeah, you're right. I mean, what is, what is the role? And it's, I mean, it's a, it's a good question. You know, I, as we were preparing for this, I started thinking of other auteurs that I know that I'm drawn to. For example, we, we talked about Woody Allen on this uh, podcast uh, last year, two years ago. And Woody Allen is a director who is technically proficient, uh, well, 
well versed and well learned in 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 cinema history, right? Um, has a lot of experience, but his film—not all of his films, but a lot of his films—come off as very personal. Uh, you you tend to care about the uh, the characters. It's more of a writerly kind of uh, approach, for sure. Than yeah, it is a, a lot of approach. affect. Yeah. Well, I think also with, effect, with right? Alan. There's especially in his middle period when he's doing so many films that are set in New York. There's a lot of heart there because Alan's. I mean, he he he's a New Yorker, and so many of his films are love letters to New York, and oh, and you can feel that from everything to from from bullets over Broadway to Manhattan to Annie Hall to Manhattan Murder Mystery to Everyone Said I Love You. These are films that are New York films from somebody who just loves that damn city and there's so much heart in those movies and as somebody who you know who also loves New York I can watch them over and over and over and over again Same and never here, get yeah. tired of them I never See, get well, tired also, of them also I know I, I get so Nick, listen to the passion in in Chris's voice. He hasn't had As any he of this. Says that, yeah, he hasn't had any well, of this Chris, passion yeah. for the Cohen brothers, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and and, right? and and that's kind of what Chris's ultimate in, in, in initiating statement was: is that and that's okay by yeah, him. You exactly, know? It's like, exactly. Yeah. But like, um, yeah, I mean, Woody's the perfect example. The guy makes a film a year. They're ultimately extremely personal statements, but wind up having great great you know uh, effect on on yeah. its viewers and i mean who else combines who makes existential comedies yeah. quite in the same way that <laughs> woody does you know no, i mean woody. as he always yeah. as they always said he's 50 percent bergman 50 percent groucho yeah just that alone yeah. and his own his own universe yeah i mean there are i get you know weepy when i hear the end of crimes and misdemeanors sure. or you know or i hear the end of hannah and her sisters you know i mean yeah. it's like the way he summarizes life, but yeah, the Coen brothers, that's not their intent. And trust yeah. me, they fall very far from that bullseye. That's yeah. not, I don't, you know, they, they don't do they that. Don't, they don't want to do for it. Yeah. They don't want to do and, it. Well, and, why not? Is my question. And what you know, he like, has is, and what he has is, just going back to what he, I don't know, quick, he, I mean, he has his formalist things. He has like, um, uh, you know, he has his um, interiors or he has his Stardust Memories or Zelig or September. You know, he has things that are, you know, more formalistic, more kind of, you, you know, a little less. There's a little less heart in them. They're, they're kind of they're the more of the clunkers that no one watches over and over again. But but by and large, I think we're uh, we're in agreement on this. And you're right. Like, and you're asking like, why why don't they go for that? You know, why aren't they they trying for that? And, and I don't know. You know, I think about my other favorite directors like like Francois Truffaut. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's a lot like Woody Allen in that, or Woody Allen's like him in that sense. You know, mm-hmm. very personal kind of explorations of of you know of character. Aha, stuff, gentlemen, you know? I think. I think Eric, you've arrived at it. I don't know. This is going to probably sound harsher than I intended mm-hmm. to, but maybe if if this is their personal, if if this is their ethos on film, maybe Joel and Ethan Cohen are just really closed off, impersonal people, and and the, and this is them. Maybe they're sociopaths. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, but like, maybe they're just, you know, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but let's just let's just say that th- you know these are guys that are you know that have walls up around them. We don't really yeah. know who they are, and these are the types of films that make, and they don't want to expose that layer to us. You know, like maybe the key to understanding their works yeah. is is some there's a Rosetta Stone somewhere in there that says here's the ex- consistent 
theme that runs through all these films. I don't know. Uh, but I know that it's, it's going to be hard for me to find it uh, because you know, it just is. Uh, I, I, and the last film, Inhale Caesar, I loved that they were, you know, essentially tipping their hat to the writer. That seemed to be ultimately yeah. And, yeah. Uh, a, a nice, a nice little love letter in a sense. Well, and that's a that's a good point because with with the Coen Brothers films, uh, 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 again, I can't I can't really relate to any of their characters or 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 their their their, their landscapes. I can relate to characters in Woody Allen films. Yeah. Right. I, I, I can I can relate to uh to the to the type of character maybe this is probably not a good thing. I can I can relate <laughs> to some of the characters that Woody Allen Oh, his morally depraved. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can, oh, yeah. I, to a certain degree, I, I can relate to that, that kind of uh, the, 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 the writer or intellectual with uh, question, questionable moral sentiments. <laughs> I, I, can, I can relate to that a lot. And like you, I, when I hear, uh, when I see that uh, that opening uh, to Manhattan, Man- Manhattan, Manhattan with, with yeah. uh, Rhapsody in Blue, oh my God! That chapter that one takes me. <laughs> that takes me to walking through the city on a misty day, and and I hear and if you that want music. Chris Gullen, you can go back to episode number whatever it is with Woody Allen <laughs> yeah, because I'm we talked about this I'm so, Woody Allen. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of, I'm kind of going off on a tangent, yeah. but I yeah. don't. You know, when I when I watch No Country for Old Men. I don't get sentimental about fucking Texas. Yeah, right. I, I I don't. I don't, yeah. I can't relate to. It. I can't yeah. relate to their characters. So I, I think I, I think these are some these are some really, really really good good points yeah. we're, we're we're fleshing out here with their stuff. Yeah, and let me if I if you don't mind if I go a little further on this. Um, Go for I it. I think, uh, you know, if we're, if we're doing comparisons, you know, I think Woody Allen's a good contrast. I, uh, I mentioned Truffaut. I, I think it's a good contrast, uh, as you know, is one of my favorites. But like, let's take um, uh, Truffaut versus Godard, right? You know, apples to apples here, oh. French New Wave. You know, you look at you look at something from Jean-Luc Godard, and you, it's rare that you feel for the characters and and you do sometimes i mean maybe in breathless maybe but like with breathless with Godard, yeah. you're looking at the form you're looking at the experimental kind of cinema Agreed. you're looking at less personal less personal it's more analytical it's there's a hands-off mm-hmm. approach um and i love jean-luc godard I'm, but there's there's something different there than you get from like a francois truffaut right and with the cohen brothers he they're not experimental in the way godard was but but maybe there is this kind of hands-off kind of remove with them that you don't get with like a woody allen or truffaut but i think one of the one of the contrasts that's more contemporary perhaps would be the uh and i think nick will agree the duplass brothers I think that mm-hmm. you know you look at those guys and and they're and I think they're becoming auteurs in certain ways um, with like um, like uh, the puffy chair and Baghead and Cyrus and especially Jeff who lives at home and the togetherness the the serious togetherness togetherness um, absolutely I think yeah. they've got this thing where um, they're auteurs in the sense that I think their subject matter is kind of similar, but their technique is very different. And so, so mm-hmm. you've got these kind of interesting contrasts. Uh, and maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's not fair to put the Duplass brothers and the Coen brothers in the same level, but, but, it, you know, for me personally, like what I'm drawn to is mm-hmm. these kind of more character driven, uh, you know, kind of explorations of, 
of interesting or idiosyncratic personalities or just of relationships in general. And, and I don't, you don't get that with the Coens at all. And that's fine, just like it's fine with Jean-Luc Godard. You don't, you don't watch Godard to get, uh, you know, the, 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 the feelies, you know, you're like, oh yeah, no, so, you know, feelies, maybe no. Truffaut, but not Godard. So maybe that's maybe Truffaut. Yeah. yeah, yeah almost yeah. always, you know, yeah. good God. Yeah, so maybe that's one of the, one of the differences that, you know, as I'm sussing it, I'm, I'm, I'm this is all on the, on the fly. I haven't thought about this before this, in this way, but you know, maybe there isn't is that a, what this podcast is for. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. For me, it is. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I think for all of us, yeah, it is. It's, yeah. it's, it's sussing these things you out know, that, that we haven't necessarily thought about. Well, you know, I think, you know, not to sort of like break my arm, patting myself on the back, <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll stand by technicians yeah, of sure. cinema. I like yeah. that. <laughs> it's not a bad, I've it's come really kind of an appropriate, that. yeah, yeah, you know, it's not. I think it's not a bad way to put it. You know, um, you know, I, 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 and Eric knows this story all too well because he called. He he knew, like my the phone rang and it said my name, and he knew exactly what I was calling him for. I remember I was driving and listening to Fresh Air, yeah. and Terry Gross had the Coen Brothers. I on. know it, and and uh, you know they were making uh, remaking, uh, you know, an important film, and uh, and I was listening fine. I was listening to them talk about it. And, you know, these guys are kind of like, it's kind of like they've had their personality surgically removed. Have you ever, I mean, look at the Academy Awards acceptance speech. I like to thank <laughs> the people that worked on the film. Uh, you know, I couldn't be bothered to shave, uh, drop mic and get off, the, you know, and that was it. Um, they're, they're not exactly, their, their public persona is not exactly, you know, they're not like Francis Coppola. They're not sitting there like raconteurs telling stories or anything. They, they're kind of blah, kind of meh. And they were kind of meh on, on there. And what pissed me off was, uh, it's one thing to remake a film, but you don't have to denigrate the original. And they started to, they started to pick on it. And Terry kind of joined in and they started using, you know, derogatory adjectives about it. And that pissed me off. And I thought, you know, it's Henry Hathaway, it's Rob, you know, um, uh, John Wayne, obviously Dennis Hopper, uh, um, I'm trying to think of uh, um, ah, uh, Godfather, the, the lawyer. Help me. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Why can't I think of yeah, names anymore? Know. It's like Tender Mercies Academy Award, and I can't think of his name. Um, at any rate, you've got some real talent in this film, and uh, and they're kind of just pooping on it. And I thought, and then they said they're going to make a much more accurate in tone uh, and much more literal translation of the text. And only to find out that you know every scene they basically shot had its 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 cinematic brother in the original. So That's bold talk I didn't for a one-eyed fat man. That yeah, you know I mean, and from my understanding, because uh, I haven't watched the whole film, I gave up on it. Uh, from because uh, I really couldn't understand what the hell yeah. Jeff Bridges was saying half the film. It's very difficult but, to understand. Um, I do, I do. I was told, and I did see that they did uh, achieve what they set out to do, which was make a more accurate in tone interpretation of the book. It doesn't mean you have to sort of like piss on the original. Have either of you read that, like the original book? No. No, okay. I, no. But people who did told me they said it was more accurate in tone. Well, I, but that's a sign of the time. You know? tone, but I think it's more accurate just in general. I think it's, it's more accurate in plot as well from what I understand. But I mean, I've heard stories. Does that make it better? No, I'm not though, saying you know? it's better, but, but I also take, but I also don't think that you can, um, see if they are trying to readapt the novel, and not 
re- not adapt the movie, the original movie, then what they say about the movie is irrelevant because they're not remaking the movie, they're readapting the novel. You see what I mean? So, right. so, so the I comparison between that. the original movie and their movie is is actually kind of it's not um, it's not fair. It's not relevant because that's not what they're doing. And I've heard stories, and who knows if this is true or not? But I've heard stories about they're trying to shoot, uh, you know, something um, at the house where they smoke the guy out, you know, and uh, they're they're trying to do that. And the, the cinematographer was like, or someone on the crew was saying. You know, in the original movie, they just did this day for night. You know, we don't have to shoot this at night and light it like this. And they're like, we haven't watched the movie. They said they hadn't watched the movie since they were teenagers. And they right. purposely didn't rewatch it because they wanted to adapt the novel. So whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I, I think that I don't think they were shitting on the original. I think that in the in the interview you're talking about, and we'll try to link to that, I think Terry Gross kind of did. And I think like your umbrage at, at her tone, I remember this very well because I was at, uh, I remember exactly where I was when we had this conversation. It's very strange. They both yeah. did. Yeah, that was the thing. They both you're, did. You're, you're kind of offense at that. I'm like, you're very defensive towards the original movie. I could give, I could care less. I don't give a fuck what they say about that, you know, but you know, but the, that's not what they were doing. They were trying to readapt the novel, which is fine. I haven't read the fucking novel, you know, uh, and the movie, like you said, you, I mean, I have to rewatch that movie with subtitles at some point. Cause I don't know what the hell Jeff Bridges was saying through half that movie. Right. Yeah. yeah, but let me be clear. My 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 umbrage is with the offensive things they said about the original. I mean, like when David Cronenberg remade The Fly, he didn't piss on the original. He said, "I'm taking a different tone. I'm, I'm going to make a different." They movie, practically a different called it like crass and bloated and campy. Basically, and yeah. I think they I think they might have even used the word corny. And yeah, corny, corny was the word. Okay. And I thought, okay, I you know, that. Okay. yeah, they did. Right. And I th- that's the exact okay. word they and used. And fair. I thought, you know what? I'm like, well, I mean, it's it's 19, what, 69, you know? I mean, pretty much everything you're going to look back at 69 and say it was corny or whatever. But, like, the, my, my, you guys don't get – don't misinterpret me. What I am saying, and 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 I only added on the, the differences because my understanding is that the two films are quite similar in, in, in terms of plot yeah, structure are. and all that stuff. But um, what I'm saying is I thought it was poor form to take, you know, the film that John Wayne, for example, won an Academy Award for as like a makeup Oscar <laughs> yeah. and kind of call it, call, you know, you, you can show a little more class than that. Sure. And it pissed me off, you know, and I, and I just thought it's unnecessary, you know, you're, you're remaking it. They're all, you know, and Robert Duvall is the name I was trying to think of earlier. <laughs> Robert Duvall. You know, I'm sure Robert Duvall doesn't appreciate his film being called, you know, or Dennis, Dennis sure. Hopper, you know? Yeah. But that doesn't, but that has nothing to do with the movie itself. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm not okay. saying it does. Okay. Okay. I'm not saying okay. it I'm does. Just making that clear. Okay. All I'm saying is my understanding is that they made big talk about a different version, and then people said, "Well, all that fucking different." <laughs> Which it wasn't. It wasn't that. I mean, there were there are differences, but by and there large, are it's, it's yeah. you know, it's it's uh, the same the same movie. Yeah. Sure. Well, at least you can understand John Wayne when he talks. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Right. On. God. <laughs> That's funny, um, yeah. So yeah, I'm with, I mean, I'm with you on Trigger to an extent, but you know, I, there's a there's a certain sense of you know, are you criticizing the is it the movie or the or the people? You know, I can't really you criticize know? the movie. I didn't yeah. I didn't watch. Yeah, because for me, this goes back to people who are like, oh well, I'm not going to watch Midnight in Paris because Woody Allen's a pedophile. You know, that, you know that, yeah. and that's that's you know, it's a slippery slope. <laughs> that is maybe, the stupid. But, that know. is the stupidest argument for any. That's like saying I'm not going to watch Chinatown because Roman Polanski. 
uh, allegedly fucked a 13 year old girl. That that is the stupidest argument in the world to say, well, I think he's, I don't like the person who made the movie. Cause I, I've had conversations with people who say that I don't like Woody Allen. I think he's a pedophile. Well, who gives a fuck what you think and who gives a fuck what Woody Allen is? I, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. He makes good films. I like him as a filmmaker. I don't have to like him as a person. I don't know him. I can't, I can't, I can't, I'm not going to follow what the, I, and I, I'm sorry. I'm going off on a rant, no, here, no, okay. but this really, really pisses me off. When people say they're not going to watch a film from a filmmaker uh, because they 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 think he's you know he's he's of of poor moral character. I mean, who the fuck are you <laughs> to say to 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 say that, right? Uh, I mean, <laughs> no, I couldn't agree. I mean, well, beyond that, I mean, I mean, there was a lot of misinformation. If I'm not mistaken, I mean, a lot of my students. We talk about Woody there under the impression that, yeah, it was like I mean, statutory rape right. or stuff like, like that and that and that it was his daughter and that yeah. they were married. And, you know, and it's like, well, now, wait a minute. There's a, you know, before you sit in judgment, at least get the yeah. facts. I mean, but uh, you get what I'm saying. It's an so, extreme example, but you get what I'm saying, right? Like, like to yeah, sure. movie by what they said on Fresh Air or what Terry Gross said on Fresh Air and they agreed to. Like that's to me is it's not the same, obviously, but there's a sense of like, well, you know, that's yeah, it's it's. At least this is about the movie, I suppose. But to me, there's that, the, you know, the kind of the author is dead. You know, it doesn't matter what they say about it. It's a matter of like, do you like the film? What's the film doing? Is it important? Et cetera, et cetera. And I kind of agree. Like, yeah. I'm not going to watch True Grit again. I have no intention of ever watching that film again. But, you know, that's just. No. And just as a uh, just in case listeners are wondering, soon soon she was was it soon Yi? I think yeah, yeah was Previn. she was tw- yeah. Soon, yeah soon Yi yeah, was twenty one. Yeah. Uh, well, there are and, you know yeah, the and there are other scandals uh, involving Woody Allen that, sure, that are yeah. unresolved and and uh, kind of unknowable. So who um, cares? You know, I think I think we the scandals are. probably talked about this in the Woody Allen episode. Um, I, I don't know that we did. It was a while ago, and I was I was drinking that day, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was drinking the day we uh, recorded the Woody Allen episode. I'm like, well, there are a lot of filmmakers, writers, artists, musicians, scientists, clergy, whatever people, politicians. Who, who, yeah, I mean, if we just if we can't compartmentalize their work to their personal lives, we're we're in a lot of trouble then. Yeah, and if people want to hear our opinions of Woody Allen, it was episode 11 back in uh, September of 2013. It was uh, actually a really good episode. I really enjoyed recording that, and I've I've listened back to it a few times. It's a really, really good episode. So if if, if I do say so, I think we've done the Coen Brothers some service tonight, too. I mean, I I really do. I mean, it's not like we're going film by film through their their careers. We're just talking about their overall canon. It's a large body of work that spans 30-plus years. Yeah. And you know they're they're consistent auteurs of cinema and, and with a, with a very strong and dedicated following, and we number ourselves yeah. among that. Yeah. You know, just to various yeah, to degrees. Various degrees for sure. Um, yeah, and I'm glad I'm glad I saw Hail Caesar. Um, and, Me too. Uh, same here. Yeah, same I'm, here. I'm looking, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to their to their next foray. Unfortunately, you know, Eric, those little magic frames that were in the film, those they're so brief. It's almost like. You said in the very beginning of the podcast there were scenes that you just absolutely loved, and there were scenes I loved too. But if I compile them into like uh, a total, it's going to be like a couple minutes. So it's there's you know it's just not to go back and revisit it. It's going to it would take a lot of queuing forward and backwards to find those little nuggets that I really loved so much. Yeah, um, interesting. 
Yeah, no, I get, I get what you're saying. It's, it's, um, yeah, the play replayability yeah. is low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except like, like, like Chris said, like I would replay that musical number. You know, if I found right. that on YouTube, I'd be like, oh, I'll watch that again. <laughs> you know, like, like, like I'd watch the, the film. Date, the, I'd watch yeah. the film. Again. The, I probably will watch the, the date. Film, not yeah. to mention when he's waiting for her to come out and he's and he's like playing with the lasso. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. That's <laughs> wonderful. He's bored. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so yeah. That's so good. Yeah, it's, yeah well, I'd watch the whole. I'd watch the whole goddamn movie again. Yeah. I, okay. I, Oh yeah, I'd probably use it in a class. It's it's yeah. a, it's a it's a it's a oh yeah, it's a fun it's a fun film. It's like I mean, I use Fargo all the time, you know, because mm-hmm. it's it's a great yeah. film to teach with, and students students love it. They 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 yeah. love it. They connect to it. They love the accents. It's uh it's great for me. It's a popular TV series now. Yeah, too. I haven't seen the TV series. It's really good for cinematography, and you know, there's some scenes in Fargo that are just they're 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 funny. Uh, or or they're just they're interesting to look at um yeah it's just it's, and there's some great performances in fart nick do so, you use do you use yeah. the cohen's in classes at all like intro to film or whatever uh no i can't i can't say that i do no i don't i've shown fargo although it's been many years mm-hmm. um i've shown the big lebowski which is just a personal indulgence, really, more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I showed Oh Brother, Where Art Thou to a class once or twice back around the time it came out. Huh. I've showed No Country for Old Men once, and it freaked them out. Yeah, it's a, that's a tough one, man. <laughs> that, is a, that is a tough one. That's brutal. That's, it, that ending yeah, is brutal. It's, it's <laughs> that's a tough one. It's a tough film. Yeah. It's a tough film. I, I, told, I warned them. I warned yeah. them. I said, look, this is, this is, a, this is a kind of a – no happy ending. No, no, it's a it's yeah. a very brutal film. Well, they've got a certain nihilism, you know, in in most. That's of their how films. I think I described it as nihilism. Yeah, and uh, and I think No Country for Old Men is like the uh, kind of apotheosis of that nihilism, you know, uh, <laughs> to an extent, to a large extent. And uh, I think they do it inside Lewin Davis to an extent, you know. And uh, yeah, you get you get you get yeah yeah yeah. That's a that's a tough that's a tough tough sell, you know. But yeah, I don't I don't show them every semester. That's for sure. When I do, it's like the Big Lebowski or, or Fargo. Yeah, the kind of the main ones, I guess. I think my still my favorite teaching film of all time is The Graduate. You know, I don't think I don't think I can do any better than yeah. that. Really, it's sort of can't, you know, that's a good choice. Show that every week, though. No, no, I don't show it all the time. It's just I think it's probably like if you did a consensus among professors, like what's the greatest teaching oh, film sure. of all time? It's probably The yeah, Graduate. Graduate works well. What's interesting, though, is I often show 500 Days of mm. Summer, which is sort of the graduate and subtler form in some ways. And there's a lot of, lot of you know, intertextuality and, and shout outs to the graduate, you know, it's like a lot of nods to it. And um, so that's fun. Uh, it, it makes students want to go see the graduate if they haven't because of all the, uh, that's the, the winks. Right, right. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I should, I should uh, consider that. Cool. Well, I think we've done a yeah. I think we've done a good job. I think we've done a good job with the Coens. Uh, I hope our listeners agree. If you have anything to say to us, um, keep it to yourself. No, uh, don't do that. Don't do that. You can go to thatsarapshow.com and put a comment on this episode. You can find us on Facebook and throw us a comment there. You can find us on Twitter and throw us a comment there. You can go to Patreon and give us money <laughs> if you want. Um, <laughs> 
You can do you any, can do of, any these of these things or all of you know? them. Uh, I will give you Chris Gullen's personal phone number and you can call him and no, 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 we won't do that. But yeah, yeah let us know what you think. Seriously, uh, Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, <laughs> Twitter, Facebook, uh, comments on the website. We love all that stuff. We do listen. We do pay attention. We like uh, engagement. So yeah, let us know what you think about the Coens. And uh, I'm really glad we did this. Yeah, maybe I've got it all wrong. Yeah, maybe. You know? So uh, I'm sure someone will be happy to tell you. It's the internet. You know, someone will be happy to tell you you're all wrong. Somebody yeah, will tell me, sure. yeah, you're, that yeah. I'm crazy. So, uh, yeah, so and for, so signing off, I guess, for That's a Wrap, I'm Eric Marshall. I'm Nick Schlegel. I'm Chris Gullen. And uh, thanks again for listening to a long, long episode. And we will see you Cut. next time. That's a wrap.